and our purpose and we lay down our measuring stick of success. And we take up yours. We take up your plan, your purpose, your will for our lives and that measuring stick. Father, this morning... The only way we'll truly succeed is to make you more Lord of our lives. So Father, those areas that we've held back on, those areas that maybe we've given 20% or 60% or whatever, help us, Father. Help us, Father, to yield fully to you to allow you to be Lord, to be easily moved by your hand, to be easily moved by your will. Father, I pray that we sound like you, that we act like you. That we, through our lives, reveal you to the world around us. Only with your help, Father. Only with the power of the Holy Spirit fully moving in our lives. Fully yielded. Fully, fully, fully yielded. Fully yielded to your Lordship. No shadow of self will, no shadow of pride, no shadow of self. your help, Father. Only by your Spirit, Lord. Only by your Spirit. But Father, we're hungry for that. We're hungry for you. We're hungry for your will. Lord, help us right now to count the cost and to make the right choice. What is more important? What is more important in this life? Than for you to be glorified through us. If there's anything in our lives that we hold more important than you being glorified in this and through us. Help us, Father, to let it go. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us for holding on to 
useless things. Forgive us, Father, for holding on to wasteful things. Harmful things. Forgive us, Father, for being selfish. Help us to be like Jesus. Who fully emptied himself of self. And was obedient even unto death. Death on a cross. Father, I pray that we be a body fully yielded. More of you. More of you, Lord. And none of us. time to receive the offering. The ushers have offering envelopes. If you could hand those out. Turn with me to 2 Samuel. Second Samuel 24. Verses 21 through 24. The ushers have offering envelopes. They'll hand them to you if you so desire. And Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Aruna said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen and for the burnt offering, the threshing sledges, and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Aruna gives to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Aruna, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Now, David was the king. He obviously could do whatever he wanted. 
Aruna knew that. Aruna also wanted to be on his best side. And so when David came and said, hey, I want to buy your threshing floor, I want to build an altar, I want to offer sacrifices to the Lord, Aruna thought, hey, here's a good way for me to get in good graces with the king. And so he says, you know what, king, you can have whatever you want, I'll give it to you. But David understood a principle. David understood that his supply did not come from his people. That's how the king was supplied for. Do you know that when the king became king, he, he received what we call taxes. He received payment every year. So much food, so much grain, so many oxen, so much stuff, so much timber, so much blood. And, and people brought all of this, and that's how they survived. So people were used to giving to the king. And so when the king came and asked for something, you know, the guy goes, well, you might as well take it. It's, you know, it's, like, you know, it's yours. But David knew a principle having to do with God that it's important for us to have skin in the game. It's, it's, it's important for us to have skin in the game, to have some part of us that is a part of it. We all know, and we've, I've said this for years, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's not about how much an individual gives. It's not about what you give or you give or I give. It, doesn't, it isn't about the finances. It's not about money. It's about the heart. And David's heart was that he wanted to serve God and he, and he knew that he couldn't serve God with the other person's blessings. He wanted to honor God, but he couldn't do it by taking it from somebody else and saying, oh, here, God, I'm going to offer you this. It wasn't from him. He had to have skin in the game. He had to, he had to give of something of himself. Unless this costs me something. Cost. Immediately in 21st century America, cost goes to money. It just does. We just think that way. Because that's our, that's our medium of barter. But it's about the heart. What is it in your heart that God is asking you to give? If it's time, it's time. That's, that costs you something. Time costs you something. Devotion, you know, focus, uh, obedience. Everything we do is worship. Our work is obedience. Our work is obedience to God. Do everything you do unto the Lord. So when we go to work tomorrow, now obviously I get to come here and go to work. But you get to go where God has placed you and your work is an offering unto Him. It costs you something. It costs you something to do that work honoring to Him. Anything we do, anything we do for God is going to cost us. I've been struck with that recently about that, that following God means it's going to cost me something. Obviously, we just touched on it just a moment ago. We need to count that cost. What is that cost? And it's not just money. I mean, it is money. It's part, money is part of it. Money is an indicator of our heart. How important is your money? For some people, it's so important, they'll never part with it. Or it sounds like...
But where's your heart? Where's your supply? Do we trust God? We're going to talk about what were you expecting again today? What are you expecting? Are you expecting God to really supply all your needs according to His riches and glory? Are you really expecting that everything you get comes from Him anyway? If that's the case, whatever He asks of us, it's His. And there's really no cost that's too much. He'll never ask you for too much. He'll never ask you for too much time. He'll never ask you for too much money. He'll never ask you for too much devotion. He'll never whatever he asks you for, you can afford. But it has to come from your heart. This morning's offering needs to come from your heart. It doesn't come from oh well, I got to do this. Everybody expects me to give this. No, it comes from your heart. And if He leads you, the biggest, most important thing we can do every single Sunday, every single week, is to say, Lord, what's Your will for me this week? What's Your will for me in my time, in my efforts, in my free time, in my work, in my offerings, financial, my giving, my... What is it that You want me to do? Because He speaks to us. You will hear His voice. If you seek Him with all of your heart, the Bible says, he, you will or He will be found by you. You will find Him. You will hear Him. He's, he speaks to His children. He speaks to his, his sheep. And His sheep hear His voice. If we seek Him, He'll speak to us. He is speaking to us. If we seek Him, we'll hear His voice. But the obedience part comes from here. The obedience part comes from our heart. As He leads you, and we are obedient to it, we honor Him. I want to thank everybody. Thank you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We've been working towards a project of new classrooms. We need four new classrooms very, very soon, very quickly. We need them now. And we've had a goal of $10,000 to be able to go to an architect and see what we can do. What, it, what is it we can really truly do? We're at $7,500. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been seven weeks. So do the math. Because I can't. <laughs> seven weeks, $7,500. Awesome. Very, very cool. And so... As when we get to ten thousand, we'll go. But it's, it, what's also exciting to me is that that money has been coming in regularly. But also the regular offerings are meeting all of the needs. Thank you, thank you, because it isn't about diverting money from one to another or this to that. Because there'll always be something. It's about being obedient to what the Lord gives us to do. Amen. And I'm just excited to be a part of a church that's being obedient. It's awesome. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for this opportunity to give. Lord, speak to our hearts. I pray that you speak to each and every one of us. And I, I pray, Father, that it's not just this morning, but that it's every day. Every week we hear your voice as to what you would like us to do, what your will is this week, this day. Lead us and guide us, Father, as we, we give obediently to your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 16. This was our uh, 
homework all this week. And as I read this this week, it just uh, kept pulling on my heart, kept uh, challenging me as to what I'm expecting. Exodus chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. It's talking about the Israelites. The Israelites had just come out of Egypt. God had moved mightily. He had, he had performed all kinds of miracles. He had performed all kinds of... He had uh, caused Pharaoh to let them go. They get out. They're headed towards the promised land. They get, they're heading in a direction. All of a sudden he says, stop, tell you what, go back, go, go, go circle back around and go camp out by the lake or by the Red Sea. He gets there, the, the people get there, and all of a sudden here comes Pharaoh and his army. And God says, watch what I do to Pharaoh. You're, this will be the last day you see your enemies. Pharaoh's bearing down on them. Two million people. People are all freaked out. People are afraid. People are looking at the circumstance. The circumstance was very real. That's the deal. It isn't that the circumstances aren't real. The circumstances are real. They're very real circumstances. They're, the reality is it's reality. It's what we perceive. It's what we are expecting God to do about it is the supernatural. Reality is reality, but what God does about it is supernatural. So, pillar of fire sets down behind them, protects them all night, Waves go back, dry land, they go across. They're almost all, they either are all the way across or they're almost all the way across and the pillar lifts. That's why I like, you know, the Ten Commandments of the whole movie because it just builds the, you know, the suspense because they get about two-thirds of the way across. And then, oh, I'm going to pull the pillar out of the way. You can just see the trap being set. It's wonderful. Pharaoh and his, and his army goes down into the Red Sea and they're running across on dry land. The same dry land the Israelites. The same, the same miracle that the Israelites were able to cross on. Here comes Pharaoh. But then all of a sudden, his wheels get stuck. And fell off. Thank you for the, prof the specific. I know it says that. You're such a blessing, George. Thank you for your... <laughs> He's right. He's right. They fell off also. But it says they got stuck, didn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> Excuse me, George and I have to have a discussion. <laughs> All kinds of cartoon bubbles are going on in my head right now. Exodus chapter 16. They see a miracle. Can you agree with me on that, George? Thank you, Jesus. He can agree with me on that one. They see a miracle. The water comes in. It kills them all. Never to see their enemies again. They get out there and then this happens. Exodus chapter 16. It says, They set out from Elam and the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and the ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, who brought them out into the wilderness? Who brought them out into the wilderness? God did. 
It wasn't Moses. Moses Moses just acted out his part. But every step of the way, it was God who did it. It was God who brought them out of Egypt. It was God who did the plagues, who did the the miracles. It was God who did the signs and the wonders. It was God who who caused the, the Egyptians to give them all their stuff. It was God who led them here and led them there. It was a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. It was God who took them to the Red Sea. It was God who parted the water every step of the way. So why are they complaining to Moses? Because we like to complain. People like to complain. It's because their expectation was wrong. They thought this whole thing was about Moses. For whatever reason, I, I mean, you know, we, we look at this in hindsight. But here's what I want us to do. Think of your situation today. Who brought you to where you are today? Who, who brought you out of this and brought you over to that and brought you to the job that you're in? How many of you do not raise your hands have complained about your job this week? I said, don't raise your hands. <laughs> who brought you to that job? Who have you complained about your boss this week? <laughs> he's my employee, yes. He's a... That's right. They're catching the sermon here. God led you where you are. If God didn't lead you, then you're in trouble. Right? Then you're in the wrong place. You're working in the wrong place. You're working for the wrong person. You're living in the wrong house. You're married to the wrong woman. Oh, no. How many believe you're married to the wrong woman? Raise your hand. (laughs) Chickens. How many believe you're married to the wrong man? Oh, great. (laughs) Marriage counseling after the service. We've been wanting to bolster that ministry anyway. But they start complaining to Moses. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. That they may test, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what we are that for, for what are we that you grumble 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 against us? And Moses said, "When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against Him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. What is the reality of the situation?" Because people always say, well, well, this is reality. The reality is, this is the situation I'm in. 
Yes. Not arguing that point. They were in the desert. In the desert, two million people plus livestock plus everything else they have going for them. They're moving across the desert. They need food. That is reality. They need provision. They need food in the morning. They need food in the evening. They need, they need total sustenance. That is reality. And the fact that they didn't have any is reality. We're not calling those things that are as though they are not. The Bible says that God is a God who calls those things that are not as though they are. He does not call those things that are as though they are not. Reality is reality. We can look at any miracle in the Bible. Any miracle. You go from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Every single situation was reality. This one is no different. Two million people, people going across the, across the desert and they have no food. And they're hungry. What's even worse is their, 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 their kids are hungry. What's even worse is their wife is hungry. People are hungry. We need food. Why, why did you bring us out here, Moses? And he says, you know, you're, you know you're not arguing against me. You're, you're, you're complaining to God. Because I'm not your supply. Moses is not your supply. Your workplace is not your supply. Did you know that? The company you work for is not your supply. Your boss is not your supply. That is the reality of it. God is your supply. My supply is not you. You're not my supply. That's why I can say some Sundays, if God's not leading you to give, don't give. Am I worried about my paycheck? No. Because I learned a long time ago, God can supply my needs in ways that we have no idea, that I have no expectation, no understanding of how He does it. I believe Him when He says that He can create nothing or something out of nothing. He is able. He's our supply. So here's these Israelites. They're not... I mean, they're hungry. The reality is they're hungry. The reality is there's no food. The reality is there's no 7-Eleven anywhere near them. There is not a Cub Foods 20 kilometers away or farthings or what was the measure of distance back then. There's not a... There's not a <laughs> no. There's not one of those either. <laughs> That's the reality. But God is about to show them that He's a miracle-working God. How many of them expected for Him to feed them this way? Not one. I don't even think Moses expected it. To tell you the honest truth, because it doesn't say, you know, God, I've, I've known exactly what God's going to do, and, and uh, here's, here's how He's going to do it, and I can't believe you guys don't believe Him. He's just saying, why are you complaining to me? Don't talk to me. I didn't bring you out of Egypt. Talk to God. You deal with Him. Verse 9. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for He has heard their grumbling. 
And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Verse 13. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as you can eat. You shall, take, you shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. Do you know what they called it? Because it's in the rest of 16. What did they call it? Manna. Do you know what the word manna means? It means what is it? It means what is it? They look down and here's God's provision and they go, what's that? What do you think the possibility is that God's provision for you many times is unrecognizable to you at the beginning? Wow. Now I just said that, and the Holy Spirit said, what do you see? And he, he's been speaking to me about something. I'm just, all of a sudden, stop the sermon. I'm just going to let you know, the Lord just dealt with me. Because something he's been telling me is the provision I've been looking for. And I've not recognized it. I've not recognized it. What is it? What is that thing? It's manna. It's the bread from heaven. Do you know how this correlates with the New Testament, right? Anybody know how this correlates with the New Testament? You know that they said that the writers of the New Testament said that Jesus was the manna from heaven? The bread from heaven. Why? Because all of the people of the day said, What is that? What is this thing? The very sustenance they were looking for, God provided, and they didn't recognize it. Too much of too many of us walk right past the provision that God has for us. Because we're looking for something else. We're looking for the meat pots back in Egypt. We're looking for the onions back in slavery. We're looking for what we're used to. We're looking for the natural provision. And we miss the very thing. You know, the very thing could be that job you hate. The very thing that God is using to provide for you could be very well be that boss that you can't stand.
And He provides it for us day in and day out. Now if you read through 16 a number of times, you know that that lasted for how many years? 40 years. The whole time that they're wandering around in the desert. Let's read a verse. This this is what I've been trying to get for two weeks. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 12. Begins by a wonderful promise from God. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue what you have continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All Scripture is God breathed. Why are these stories in the Old Testament there? It's so that you can look at those, you can read those, and you can understand the character and the nature of God. I can look at those things because how else do I know who God is? How else do any of us know who God is? In 2014, we did the year of of doctrine. We talked about what the Bible is. It is God's revelation. It's one of the revelations. There's revelation in nature. Heavens and earth reveal the nature of God, who God is. But also, His Scripture. The Scriptures reveal who He is. And the things that happen. There's another verse, another uh, Scripture in the New Testament says, the things that happened to these people, the Israelites, is a, a lesson for us. All of it. They're going through their life for 40 years, and every day a miracle happens. Every morning, every night. Every morning, every night. Every morning, every night. Every morning, every night. It is to show them that God is going to meet all of their needs. There's another story we'll get to, because we're going to work our way through this. There are scriptures that talk about amazing things that I don't understand. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament says that water came out of a rock. Do you know that? When they were thirsty. So they got them, you know, God gave them food. And then what's the next thing they're whining for? Water. Well, now where are you going to get, where are you going to get enough water for everybody in the camp and their livestock? In a desert. Well, Moses went over, struck the rock. God told him to. Water came out. Do you know that? Do you know the scripture that it talks about in the New Testament? What it says? I can't. I, I didn't look it up. It just it's where we're headed right now. I'll find it for you. It says 
that he, Jesus, is the spiritual rock who followed them. Huh? Because they needed water every day. Where did they get that water? They didn't dig new wells every day. It kept coming out of the rock. And how? They moved around. How did they have that rock with them all the time? Oh, oh, can you feel it in the room? Can you feel it? The feeling in the room right now is, huh, what are you talking about? What is that? What are you talking John, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, are you really thinking that verse means that a rock followed them? It's what it says. I'm not making this stuff up. That's why we don't have to be weird. The Bible is weird enough for itself. Now, that doesn't make any sense. How could a rock follow them? There must be some natural understanding. I don't know. It only gives us what we get. it gives us. How can enough water come out of a rock to water two million people and all of their livestock? That itself is a miracle. Let alone that it followed them. I don't know what that means. But all I know is it's a miracle. God showed His character, His, His nature through the Scriptures, all the way through from Genesis to Revelation. And we can go and we can look at those examples, those teachings, and we can believe the same things they believed. Because that's who God is. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The problem is we live in the 21st century where if it's not on television, I don't believe it. Or if it's not on Fox News, I don't believe it. Or if it's not on CNN, I don't believe it. Unless Richard Dawkins, is that the right name? All I could think of was the, the, the host of Family Feud. That's Dawson, that's right. So it is Richard Dawkins, good. I just didn't want to be, you know. Unless, unless a scientist proves it out for me, I'm not going to believe it. The proof or the, the, the reality of the situation was they're going to die of hunger. The miracle was that God brought quail every night. Can you imagine? How many of you raised chickens in your yard? There's a few of you. Go ahead, admit it. Come on, don't be ashamed. I thought there'd be more. There's going to be people, uh, people, <laughs> there are going to be more people who have chickens walking around the yard. That's not, they didn't have to feed the chickens. They didn't have to feed the quail. The quail came to them every night. Honey, I'm hungry. What are we having? Quail. Is it quail time yet? Oh, I'm getting hungry. It must be quail time. I don't know, what does a quail sound like? No, that's a turkey. No, that's something else. Hey, the quail's here. Go outside, two quail. <clears throat> Some of you knew what that was. Thank you. Thank you. 
Quail, enough for the family. What's, some, what's for breakfast tomorrow, Mom? Manna. Manna in the morning. Manna in the evening. Manna around supper time. But every day it was a miracle. Every single day it was a miracle. God performed miracles. God performed miracles. God performed miracles. Do you know this is not the last time that they whine? They whine all the time. It's quail time. Thank you, Ricky. No, it's actually John. You know, this has been a weird service so far, thanks to thanks to George and now John. But I can guarantee you'll remember this one. I can guarantee it. There was a miracle every day. God performed a miracle every day. And yet, when they come to the, to the River Jordan and they send over the spies, what do the spies come back and say? Oh, He can't provide for us. Dang it, people. Dang it. Sorry, that's not a swear word, is it? Please. God, it's right there. Shoot. It just Is that bad too? Cow! Is that bad too? Find me a word I can use. Shazbot. Come on, people! We serve a miracle-working God. He created the whole universe with a word from His mouth. He called those things that were not. There was nothing. Was there a big bang? Yes! There was a really big bang when He said, let there be. Bang! I love what one scientist, uh, 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 a uh, intelligent design scientist said, yes, there was a Big Bang, and there is a Big Banger. <laughs> he is a miracle-working God. He was a miracle-working God from the beginning. He's still a miracle-working God. And we're not supposed to be stopped at the reality. The reality was the, the Red Sea is there. The army is coming from behind. That is the reality. But a miracle followed. The reality was they were thirsty. And God, the miracle was, He provided water. Miraculously. The reality was, they're hungry. And the miracle was, He created, or he, he, that He created food to come every night and every morning. The reality was, the land is full of giants. Sorry for my voice, but I've been, I had 14 gym classes with junior high and senior high kids this week that I was yelling at over, and so my voice has been shot since Wednesday. And I've only got about two minutes left of it, I can tell. But they get to the Jordan. They should have known every time they came to a reality. The reality is there's giants over there. The reality is there's wild animals over there. The reality is this is impossible to the human being. That is the reality. But two said, God is well able. I am just simple enough 
to believe that God is able. He is able. Whatever situation you're facing right now, whatever impossible thing you're facing right now, the first step you make is change what you're expecting. Because they expected failure every time. And God proved them wrong. In today's day and age, He expects us to believe and have faith. What is your situation right now? How impossible is it? I have some pretty impossible things in front of me. I'm not talking about you. (laughs) But our God is well able. Well able. Watch. Stand and watch the deliverance of God. Put your hope in Him. Why not? He's done it forever. Why not? Why would He not do it this time? So get out of the way. Get out of the way. The quicker you get out of the way, the less pain it is for you. Trust Him. Believe Him. Follow Him. What if He tells you to do something that just seems crazy? Do it. He's asking me to do some crazy things. And I'm warming up to the fact that I just better do it. And the quicker I do it, the quicker we get across. The quicker I get across. The quicker we get across. So what are you expecting? I'm expecting a miracle. I'm expecting a miracle. Now, they had something to do with it. Here's where I'm closing. They had to do something. They had to go out and get the quail. They had to go out and gather the what is it. And they had to do it the way he said. There is obedience that goes with that provision. Only gather enough for tomorrow. When when it comes tomorrow, only gather enough for tomorrow. Only gather enough for today. Well, I don't know. What if he doesn't do it tomorrow? Well, gather a little extra and see what happens. Turns nasty. Do it today. Now, on the sixth day, gather, gather enough for two days. Well, I gathered two days worth the other day. What if... What if this is just a test to see whether I, you know, I mean, okay, okay, I'm not going to do it today. I'm only going to gather enough for today and tomorrow. I know I'm going to be laughing at you guys because you're not gathering any. Or you're gathering extra and I, I'm only going to gather. I'll be right and tomorrow there nothing's there. Then you can go, well, maybe it won't be there on Monday or Sunday or the next day. Oh, what happens then? Oh, oh, you see how we get wrapped up in this? We try to second-guess God instead of believing Him. He gives you enough grace and enough faith and enough whatever for today. Deal with it today. As far as you can deal with it today, deal with it today. If that means, if He says stand and rest, you stand and rest. If He tells you to take a step forward, take a step forward. If He tells you to 
head into the water, you head into the water. You do what He tells you to do. But you do it today. What about tomorrow? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I just know He's given me directions for today. I'm going to do it today. Today I'm going to be obedient. Tomorrow will work itself out. What are you expecting? Let's stand. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8 says, And he told them a parable in the effect, to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. This is Jesus. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God or respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Father, we come to You this morning. And I can only speak for myself. As I'm standing here right now, yes. Yes. You will. Yes, you will find faith on the earth.